0: Welcome to the Reinvent Your Reality podcast, offering you motivation and inspiration to get you through the day. This is your one-stop shop for self-growth, reality creation hacks, and insights into aligning to your true life purpose. I'm your host, Jen Palco, and let's get into it. Welcome to the Reinvent Your Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Palco. Welcome to episode three of season three of this podcast. So happy you could join me here today for another juicy episode. And, and today's episode is going to be a little bit different because it's going to be interview style, interview style with uh, a friend of mine who I've known for, uh, for a long time, probably from 10 years ago. Uh, we used to work together back in the day. And um, I wanted to do this interview for, for a bit with her um, to raise awareness about something uh, called trichotillomania. Now, if you're not familiar with trichotillomania, I know it's a wild name, isn't it? Uh, it's obsessive hair pulling, okay? It, obsessive hair pulling disorder. Now, I have a mild case of, of trichotillomania. I'm just going to keep saying that word, trichotillomania because I can pronounce it right finally. Uh, I have a mild case of it where I, I don't pull out the hair from my head, but I pull out the hair from my, my fingers and my toes mostly. I used to pull out uh, my pubic hair, um, but I've been doing this for a very long time since, uh, I don't know, very long time. And at first I didn't even know that it was a thing. <laughs> I had no clue. I just thought this is just like a bad habit and I just do it and I don't think anything of it. Um, but I later found out that it's actually a diagnosable thing and, and people have it and a lot of people have it and especially women have it. And um, it doesn't matter where you pull hair out of at first. You know, I, I guess I had seen people in the past who had pulled hair from their scalp and um, I couldn't resonate with them. But once I read a little bit more on it and, and realized that it doesn't have to be just Hair from your head—it could be anywhere in your body, pretty much, uh, where you feel a particular urge to pull from that particular area. Um, I, I thought it was—it was interesting, and again, I wanted to have this discussion about it because I know a couple other people actually who who have it as well, and I was kind of surprised by how many people actually do. Um, and how common it how common is it, you could say? Well, I'll give you three stats, facts about trick, which is the, the abbreviated name for it. Uh, people call it trick. Um, but just to give you an idea, and this is from taken from the trick stop. website directly, Uh, a 2013 study reports that it's estimated between 0.6% and 4% of the overall population and 1% in the United States will have experienced trichotillomania in their lifetime. This means that approximately 2.5 million Americans may be affected by this condition at some point in their lives. Okay, so it's not, it's still rare, but it, it does affect a good chunk of, of the population at the same time. Um, studies show, this is the second fact, studies show that the age of onset for trichotillomania is variable, with a mean age of onset between 9 and 13 years of age, and a peak per- prevalence at 12 to 13 years. Um, it also says, although trichotillomania seems to be more common in children than adults, uh, severity of presentation appears to be higher in adolescents and prognosis becoming poorer as onset age approaches adulthood. Okay, and then just one more thing, the types of pulling and uh, there are two types of pulling, namely automatic and focused pulling. Automatic pulling is when the person engages in the behavior habitually and without premeditated intent, whereas focused pulling is when the individual makes a conscious decision to pull. Uh, now, I experience both, okay? I pull if I'm happy, if I'm sad, especially if I'm bored, uh, if I'm anxious, if I'm depressed. It, it doesn't really matter. And just to give you an idea, if you're not familiar with trichotillomania or kind of why people do it. I'll just give you my experience. Maybe this isn't everybody's experience, but I I think it's pretty similar across the board. Um, So I feel a sort of, like I feel the urge to pull, you know, whether it's from my fingers, toes, wherever. And I feel, sometimes it feels like I need to get a particular hair. Um, My favorite is actually when the hair is just growing in and it's not growing in as as much as it used to, but um, sometimes I'll kind of wave it in front of the sunlight coming from the window so I can see the hairs better, and and that's my favorite. Like, like I love that, and it's kind of trying to grasp at that particular hair that you want to get, and you feel all this tension around it, and you feel, it just feels like, the tension won't let up until you actually get the hair. And when you get the hair, you feel a sense of release or pleasure. Okay. It feels good in some particular way. Um, let me see. Sometimes I will actually count, uh, kind of count the pores or look at the pores after I pull, because they're a little more, you can see them better. They're a little red, I guess, after you pull the hairs out. Um, I like to do that. I'm trying to think what else. Um but, but basically, it's, it's just this sense of release, okay? It's like this buildup and a release. I guess you could say it's like an orgasm in a sorta of way, but not as good. Um, but yeah, the, that's basically my, my interpretation of it or my experience with it. Um, but one more bonus fact I wanted to give you. There's a list of celebrities with Trick, or ha- who have had hair pulling uh, in the past that are open about it, okay? And this list is kind of—it's kind of eye-opening. It's interesting. Victoria Beckham, okay, former Spice Girl, I believe. Katy Perry, she's been open about her experiences living with Trick. Uh, Olivia Munn, Charlize Theron, Justin Timberlake has been partially open about it. Amy Schumer, uh, Colin Farrell, I think he he's had uh, in the past. Uh, Megan Fox. And then it's also been speculated that even somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio has it, or he's, he's been open about having OCD um, before. Uh, so anyway, I wanted to talk about it today because I think it's one of those things that it's maybe weird to people or they don't understand it, or if you have it, it's weird to you, or maybe you didn't even know that it was a thing. Well, it is a thing. It is a thing, and a lot of people do have it. A lot of people do suffer from this. Um, maybe you have a mild version. Maybe you don't have a version at all, or maybe you have a severe version. I hope you listen to this podcast because I hope it gives you a, sheds a little bit more light on trichotillomania and hair pulling and even skin picking or anything that you have uh, because we all have stuff, and a lot of times we keep things hidden or we have Things that we do in our personal lives, we all have stuff that we do in our personal day-to-day that nobody knows about. Nobody knows about it. I'm, I'm sure you got something, right? If not, I'm sure I could find it. I'm sure I could find it if I really, if I really looked, if I really looked. But I'm not going to look, so <laughs> it's okay. So without further ado, um, here's the conversation I had the other day while in isolation <laughs> it was over Zoom, so don't worry, don't worry, guys. Um, uh, with with my friend Caitlin Bodnar, who's been living with this since a very very young age, and this was a very beautiful, lovely discussion. Caitlin's lovely herself, and um, I'm really glad she agreed to to open up with me about it and and have this discussion. So without any without further ado, enjoy. Um. So it's called Trick, I guess is the abbreviation, right? And
1: yeah. We, we, those of us who have it, we used <clears throat> say like, oh, I have trick or, oh, are you a trickster? You know, like, yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: I never um, heard that one.
1: Um, and it uh-huh. also has a sister disease called dermatillomania. So, it, and sometimes oh, they can okay. go hand in hand.
0: Okay. And what does that entail? The dermatillomania?
1: Dermatillomania is essentially the same thing. Instead of pulling at your hair, you pick at your skin. Um, and my oh. sister actually has that. So she'll pick at her skin until she bleeds and she'll leave scars. Um, but it's the same concept. It's obsessive compulsive and it's, almost, almost a way of self-soothing in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Cause I thought it was interesting. Cause I, I have a mild case of it. Like I picked the hair off my fingers, my toes. I used to pick like pubic hair back in the day. I don't pick head hair. It's just like these and these, and it doesn't, it doesn't affect me so much because it's like, I can get away with not having hair on my fingers yeah. and stuff. Um, but I've done it for many, many years since I was younger and I would just like sit there doing it. And I didn't realize, I didn't really think much about it until like I found that it was actually like a thing, you know, that other people have. And and because um, I guess I heard of people pulling out their hair and stuff. So I never thought that it was anything, you know, because uh, yeah. it was like a mild comparison. But then even like at work, um, you know, somebody I know has it. Uh, somebody else's sister I know has it. Like very recently I learned this and I'm like, wow, I, I didn't know. So I'm wondering how many, like how common it is and how many other people, you know, yes. have this and don't talk about it.
1: I was diagnosed when I was nine years old. Um, okay. It manifested in August. And by September, I had a bald spot. Um, I had just started school, so I was nine years old. And back then, you know, there, it wasn't very really common. A lot of people didn't know about it. Um, there were very, very few cases across the country. I think there's only a couple thousand. Um, and then as time went on, um, people were starting to realize, oh, actually, we do have trichotillomania, but in more mild forms or in ways that were rehabilitated. So the amount of people who actually do have trichotillomania is now a couple hundred thousand compared to back when I was nine years old. I'm 33 now. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going back, what, 20 something years. So um, definitely, I I think the more that people start talking about it, the more people realize that they actually did have it. But back then it was a very taboo thing.
0: Yeah. And I feel like it, people are talking about it a little bit, but I don't hear about it like as a common animal. I just read that Justin Timberlake has it. I don't know if you yeah. knew that. Yeah. I just, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Cause I never knew because maybe he talks about it, but I just don't, I don't follow Justin Timberlake. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's not something that's like, I feel is common in the mainstream, you know, people yeah, have it. And I guess it's more openly talked about, but.
1: Exactly. I, th- I think people don't talk about it and like and I'm, it's not something that you would bring up in a daily conversation right unless it's right. something that you can see like for example my trichotillomania does manifest on my head um and on, it has gone on my pubic area as well but mostly on my head um so when i started for example when i started working at home depot i was wearing wigs because i didn't feel comfortable with my short hair um until it grew out a little bit and then you know in florida it's so hot and wigs are really really hot and sweaty. So. I took it off one day and, you know, but now it's the pressure of, okay, well, I don't want to pull out my hair so much that I have to go back to wearing the wig. So we had a conversation with me and my coworkers We're very close and I just explained to them what it was, but if you don't see it, it's not something that, you know, you would bring up in a conversation. So again, just kind of not having the exposure that it deserves for people to actually get help that they need.
0: Right. And um and you said it started nine years old
1: with I was you, nine. so yeah. what do you
0: were there any any things in your life? I mean that's pretty young age to yeah. start. Like it was how bad was it? Like how often were you doing it? Like what what's how is it I guess transformed from back then to now? And um, how did you kind of because at nine you don't really I feel like you don't think too much about these things. Like how how was it for you where you felt like you needed to actually go get a diagnosis
1: or? For me again, it started in August, like the middle of August. And by September I had a bald spot. So unfortunately, and and just a couple months later, I mean, my head was completely shaved. I had patches of bald spots everywhere. So unfortunately for me, um, I did have a more severe case and it manifested very quickly um and over the years it would change how it how it was sometimes i'd be great and sometimes i wouldn't and i would kind of go into these like swings you know of having a really bad period of time and having a really good period of time um actually when i worked at mjo where you and i used to work um like 2 years in um i actually had a full head of hair my own hair and it was down to mm-hmm. here and it was curly and it was the first time since i was 9 years old that i had a full head of hair um, so that was a really special time and then after yeah. that it was all bad. And I can say that there are definitely triggers and my environment when I was young was not a really good one it was really tumultuous mm-hmm. to be at home. Um, I do have depression and anxiety and they say that that will trigger um, your your episodes your period of time where you're not really good um, and I do find that to be true I do find that I have a lot of environmental factors that trigger me um, so if if I, now that I'm older, I can kind of control it a little bit more, but if I'm not paying attention and I'm going through a stressful time, hundred percent, I will start pulling my hair. Um, and I, I used to pull only in private. That's not the case anymore. Um, mm-hmm. unfortunately I just, because I think it because I'm, I've been doing it for so long that it just becomes a self-soothing habit at this point. So Absolutely. if I'm sitting next yeah. to my husband, sometimes I'll be picking right in front of him.
0: Okay. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> I left my mind. Um, oh, so like when you're pulling, are you, so sometimes you're consciously aware and other times, cause I know like when I'm, I'm picking, like I, I'll do it in public now, too. I don't care. Like it's not a big yeah. deal. Um, but it's, uh, it's kind of like you're conscious of doing it, but not, I mean, I know I can pick when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm bored, especially um, yeah. anxious, like all, all the emotions, it doesn't really matter. Right. How is it for you? And how does it Like when you start, do you pull from certain areas of your head? Is it like, what do you, what's the benefit you get out? You said self, self self-soothing. Right. And I know often feel like that bit of tension until you, you pull it.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, and that's exactly how it feels that tension until you pull it. It's almost like, it's almost like you have the tension of the stress, right. And then you pull out the hair and you get that release. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. how it feels. It's almost like pulling out the stress. Um, me do I do it when I'm bored totally boredom is my worst enemy um a hundred percent um I do have I call them hot spots um mm-hmm. and I do have hot spots so I actually have two hot spots one's here way back here and one's over here um they're not bad they're not bad at all you really can't even tell but they're there um and my sideburns and like right behind my ears have always been a hot spot for me throughout the 20 something years of my diagnosis um I used to have hot spots on the top of my head. I don't have that anymore. I don't really, I've never really pulled the back of my hair either. Um, So, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the growth when I shave my head down, because this is all thick and this is all thin.
0: It's thin. Yeah.
1: yeah, But there definitely are hot spots for sure. Yeah. It's, it's,
0: it's, it's it's interesting because um, it's like, yeah, what, what in the brain is going on that causes us to just pick from one area. Right. And not like, your leg hair or something like that or your arm hair right it just doesn't feel the same you don't get that same kind of benefit from it right um so when did you I guess come out to like family and friends uh, about this and were you were you I know you probably kept it hidden for a while and um you know what age did you start wearing wigs and and all that kind of stuff kind of take me through like the transformative transformative transition period that you went through
1: Yeah, so um my family knew right away. Obviously, I grew up in a big family. I had three sisters and my stepdad and my mom. So um that my family pretty much knew right away because it was something that was kind of hard to
0: hide. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. Um and then in school, like I said, I was pretty much bald just a couple months after my initial start. Um so and I remember, I remember the day I started pulling my hair. I remember it very clearly. Um I was lying in bed, I was on vacation. I was lying in the bed, and I pulled out my hair and I noticed the um, the hair follicle on the end. and I was like, "Oh, okay, I like this." And I kept mm-hmm. going and going and going, and then within months, I was in a wig. Um, my friends knew pretty much right away because I wasn't in school for a while because of it, like a couple mm-hmm. like a week or so, a um, couple days whatever. And then when I went back, all of a sudden, my hair was very, very different. Um, and they could start to see the bald spots. My mom would struggle to try to hide them with ponytails and hairstyles. And I had a weird comb over at one point. Oh, gosh, the, the hairstyles were awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my friends knew pretty much right away. And, you know, my peers would bully me. I was horrifically bullied in school because of it. Okay, that, was, um, that was another I, question I was going to ask. Massively bullied um, because back then then 20 something years ago, it was taboo for a girl to have short hair. You know, I would have children come right away,
0: make assumptions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. what I had little kids asking their parents, like, what's wrong with her? They all thought I had cancer. Um, Mm -hmm. this kid would pick at me at school. So everyone pretty much knew right away. Um, I think when I started becoming vocal about it and really trying to be like an ambassador for trichotillomania was in high school because, you know, I had, I just was tired of the bullying, you know, and I had girls who would like try to gossip about me and I would confront them at that point. I was getting so tired of, but I just confronted them. And I said, listen, if people have questions about this, you need to be referring them to me because I'm living this and you're not,
0: you're not Mm -hmm. trying
1: to be helpful. You're trying to be rude. And that was when I decided I'm not going to let trichotillomania oppress me I'm going to start talking about it. So people understand this isn't something you should be bullying other people about. It's a disease. It's not curable. You can rehabilitate it, but it's not curable. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. We don't make fun of people who have illnesses. So that was um, a turning point for me. And then the older I got, the more I decided that it was okay to be who I am. And I'm not going to be afraid or ashamed of something that I can't control. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's important and it's, I think we're, we're waking up now a little bit more and that we're learning to accept. And I mean, yeah. depression, anxiety are are crazy high right now with people. And essentially it is tied to anxiety, impulse, OCD, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, but I still feel like it's not as mainstream as other, as other things. So it's good to talk sure. about it. Um, because, I don't know, maybe somebody has it and they have no idea either what it is or or yeah. they feel like they're the only one, like, oh my God, you know? Um, because it's interesting, like you, you meet people and they could be wearing a wig, for example, and you would never know because that's your first interaction with that person. So I feel like we all have things that uh, we hide or things that are too embarrassing to, to talk about um, for something like trick, if it's just like weird, you know, to people like people pick their skin. We've heard about people cutting. We've heard about all kinds of things these days, but, um, but yeah, picking out head hair is not normal because our society is based around beauty and, and superficialness yeah. of, of women, you know, looking perfect like Instagram, you know, filters and, and that oh, yeah. sort of thing. So I think it's really, really important. And we're getting to a point where we're accepting more body image issue. you know, with body image with women, but there's still that underlying, you know, default that we always kind of go back to where we will still look at people in kind of a weird way just because we've been trained that way our whole lives. So I think it's good to openly talk about it. And I commend you for openly talking about it because I think it's it's super important. And it's not something that's easy necessarily to talk about. I mean, do you still have moments where it's hard to talk about or, you know, oh, sure. where you're kind of triggered by certain things, red flags that you go back Absolutely.
1: to? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first came out about it to my coworkers, um, I was very nervous because again, I had been bullied in my time. Um, now I'm really fortunate in a way because my coworkers are younger than me. They're all 20, 21, 22. And I feel like the younger generations really, they focus on inclusivity, right? They focus on being woke. They focus on understanding other people and and really trying to accept them for who they are. So for me, I was so nervous to talk to them about this because I didn't know what I was going to be met with. And all I was met with was love and acceptance and support, which was wonderful. Um, But there are still moments like I, the older generations, the older people I work with, for the most part are respectful, but they still use words that trigger me. So for example, when they're like, Oh, well, you know, it's, it's kind of weird that you do that. And it's like, okay, you know, I have to kind of take a step back and understand, but they grew up in a time where you didn't talk about your problems, right? You just hid them. So I have to try to be a little bit more understanding that they're not trying to hurt me. I just have to teach them something, you know? Um, So I definitely do still get a little triggered here and there, but again, I'm 33, so I've been through a lot of stuff. So I just try to, you know, take it as it comes and goes. Um, And I wanted to touch base on something that you said earlier, you were talking about how we have that standard of beauty for women and how it affects your self-esteem. Growing up, my self-esteem was very, very poor because you had that standard. Right. And we, I grew mm-hmm. up in the nineties and you know, for anyone who was in, who was alive in the nineties, it was all about beauty. You know, you had to be yeah. wafer thin and, and tall and lean and the, with the body and the hair and the glitter everywhere. And Barbie. I didn't have Yeah, Barbie, you had to be Barbie. And yeah. I not a Barbie, you know, not at all. The new Barbie no. movie
0: coming out by the way.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> I bet. I, I'm not going to go
0: see it, but yeah. <laughs> anyway.
1: <I'm not> <laughs> But, um, you know, it really affected my self-esteem and how I saw myself and not, I'm not talking like body dysmorphia, not in that way, but just mm-hmm. when I walked my, I, I hated to look in the mirror. I actually went a period of time where the only time I looked in the mirror was to brush my teeth. That was it. I put mm-hmm. my makeup on and I walked away from the mirror and I didn't look at it because every time I did, every time I saw myself, I hated myself. I hated the way I looked. I didn't think I was worthy of good things. I didn't think anyone would love me. I didn't think anyone would want me. And it was a really hard time. Now, because I think times have changed, like you said, you know, we're becoming more aware of that women are beautiful, no matter what we look like, because, Mm -hmm. because we are, we're just gorgeous. And I think now that we're understanding that and really allowing ourselves to feel that empowerment for me personally, having short hair. I don't feel ugly anymore. I feel like I'm, I feel like I look super cool. I look chic. I'm Mm -hmm. having fun with it and learning how to love myself. But the challenge of having a a disease that you can see really does affect how you feel. So I feel like, I feel like those two things like self-image and trichotillomania, they're always kind of a, a constant battle, especially for women.
0: Yeah, absolutely, especially with with the scalp hair. Um, but I've also noticed not only you're embracing the short hair but also like funky colored wigs and and stuff so you're you're making making fun of it which is which is awesome and kind of embracing yeah. who you are and like this is this is me like you exactly. know if you have a problem like fuck off, you know. So um yeah, I think that I think that's awesome. Um let me see if there's anything else. Uh da, 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 da. I mean, for a while, did you try to stop? Did you do things like, I'm sure you've done everything in the book, trying oh, yeah. to stop and yeah, all that kind of oh, stuff.
1: Gosh, yeah. um, so listen, what are some of the things that I did to try to stop? Um, try to stop and that. also have,
0: um, did you lie or make up excuses like to other people about your hair or, or like wouldn't go out in public and things like that? Um, I didn't
1: lie about it because again, I, 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 I didn't really want to lie about it. You know what I mean? It just, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to talk about it. Um, so I guess maybe lying through omission, I just wouldn't have the conversation back in the day. Um, but what we did, Oh gosh, we did a whole bunch of things to try to stop. Um, my mom, when I was little, she put oven mitts on my hands. Y'all are going to laugh. She put oven mitts on my hand and then like put like rubber bands around them. Oh, so I would, like, cry. <laughs> But I would, I'm like how? Houdini, I can get out of anything. So I would bust out of that in a New York minute. And, and um, really how
0: feasible is that to walk around with oven mitts like night. for 24 seven at night? Okay.
1: It was just that night because back when I first started, I only pulled at night in the comfort of uh-huh. my room and privacy. So my mom put oven mitts on my hand and like wrapped them up. But I, like I said, I get out of anything. So I was out of yeah. that no time. <laughs> um, oh Yeah. Um, we tried obviously medications, uh, therapies, the medications back then, I don't know about now because they constantly are changing and developing, but back then those antidepressants were not made for children, my age, they were barely, barely usable for teenagers. Um, so I, I mean, I was on Zoloft, I was on Prozac, I was on a whole slew. I had Danex at one point. Um, you know, developed a little bit of a Xanax problem in my young age. Thank God I don't have that issue anymore. Um, But it, you know, that medication really wasn't made for kids, my age and my size. I've always been this size since I was nine years old, I stopped growing. So this is, this is it, you know, and I'm a small woman. So that's, those medications were too strong for me. Um, We didn't do them for very long. We tried the therapies. Therapy doesn't really work, you know, because you're a kid, you're developing, you know, your, your brain's not fully developed until your early twenties anyway. Um, and I just, I couldn't put into words what was going on. And when I could, I had backlash at home. So I really didn't have, I, my mom tried really hard to be a good support system for me, but she didn't have support. And because she didn't have support, I didn't get proper support on top of being bullied at school. So therapy to me was kind of a waste of time because Anything I said could and would be used against me in my own home, so I didn't really want to talk um, and then we, another thing we tried because they were like oh well if it's self harm if it's self harm that you like, let's try rubber bands so I used to have a rubber band around my wrist and whenever I wanted to pull, I would snap it mm-hmm. that's not I've, really I've done to- that as well yeah, that's yeah. not really helpful because as we mentioned earlier, it's not the same sensation as pulling the hair from my head. I'm not getting the same satisfaction. That's one thing. And for two, I had welts on my wrist. You know, people were, I already was the weird kid at school. I didn't want to be known as like the cutter, like the suicide girl, you know? So I stopped that pretty quickly. Um, but really just as I got older, I, I, like I said, I just found out that I needed to be able to keep my own inner peace. Um, and when I can maintain my peace of mind, I, I don't stop pulling, but I slow less. So, yeah. and that's a good thing. If I can manage it that way, then that's fine. Yeah. I
0: mean, I, th- I think it's important talking about any kind of impulse control that so many people are trying to, f- they're resisting the impulse so much that they're actually making it more stressful for themselves than if they just kind of let go go or, or consciously just sat in it and it's like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm aware of it. And yeah. I, I think that in turn, like you said, you'll do it, you'll probably do it less frequently or something rather than exactly. when you're kind of, you know, gripping and you're squeezing and you're trying to do something, then it's just going to explode and get worse essentially. Absolutely. So I think I think that's a huge difference and it's part goes back to self-acceptance and um, loving who you are and being like, okay, this is me, this is a part of me. And I think back in the day, maybe even now, doctors they weren't sure what to do with somebody like you, right? They didn't know yeah, where know. to fit you in a category. So they're like, okay, uh we'll give her Xanax or we'll give her this seems like an anxiety disorder. So we we all like, you know, like to put people in boxes, specific little boxes. We know that. And yeah. It's like, all right, well this kind of fits in here the most out of cuz I can't fit it anywhere else. So let's just, you know, give exactly. this child some Xanax and uh and hope it all works out for the best. Exactly, so Yeah. I
1: watched, I watched a documentary years ago. I mean, we're going back at least seven, eight years ago. This documentary came out about trichotillomania. Oh, okay. And I thought it was interesting. One thing that they said was they questioned whether or not it was actually an extreme form of grooming. Now, for any of your viewers who do have trichotillomania, they might be able to you know, um, relate to this, but when I'm pulling, it's like I find that right hair or that that right group of hairs where mm-hmm. it feels different. Uh, maybe because my hair is actually very naturally curly and it can be kind of kinky curls, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I find like a kink in the hair, it's like, oh, okay, that, that hair there, you know, I want that one and I pull it out. So I, I always, quite after I saw that, I always questioned like, is this really a depression anxiety thing or is that just triggering me to do it more? But is it a sense of like a an extreme form of grooming almost? Like, I don't know, like you you pick out on your hands and and I don't know if you can relate to that too, but for me, I definitely do. I'm like, okay, I want that one, that one hair mm-hmm. right there. If I can get that one, I'll be fine. And of course I get all the ones around it instead of the one that I need.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, oh. and the one that you need, it's it's so much stress and tension building up to that, trying to get that one and until you get it, like you're not gonna be satisfied. Um yeah, but definitely. yeah, like picking out the hairs on my fingers. Um, I definitely have preferences for what feels the best. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, I like when the hairs are just growing in or I'll go yep. stand in sunlight, I could see them better and I can, you know, or sometimes really I use tweezers better. or something. Yeah, so it's it's really, really interesting Um, because to the average person, okay, maybe that sounds weird, but does that make me mentally insane? No, <laughs> you know, no. it's just, <laughs> I like like it goes back to everybody has something that they're probably not talking about. Something that they do... In their personal life, day to day life that maybe they never even thought of. Um, So that's what, again, why I wanted to open the conversation because I think it's important and we shouldn't be ashamed of who we are or put ourselves down because we feel like nobody else does it. Well, everybody does something. You know it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I know it. You know it. Like everybody's got weird stuff that they do. Yeah. And and no perfectionism perfect. isn't, isn't even a thing. We shouldn't try to be perfect, you know? So it's, um, sure. yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting thing. But um, what, do you know the name of that documentary by any chance? I
1: don't. I'd have to go
0: back and look I'll it up. Look but it if up. I find
1: it, I can, I can send it to you. Yeah,
0: shoot it over. Because I'd, I'd be curious to watch that. Or if it's, I don't know if it's on Netflix or Amazon or one of those. But but I'll look it up. Because there's there's not many documentaries or or things on it. No, there's not, there's not, this
1: one was a really good one. So if I can find it, I'll definitely shoot it over to you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you. An eye opener.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So is there anything else that, uh, that you wanted to say about it? I don't know if I have, I think I've pretty much touched on, um, you know, most of the things Um, also, I, I guess it, well, obviously Justin Timberlake has it. So it does affect men, but I guess men, it's not as obvious because most men have short hair. Anyway, but I don't know, statistic wise, like, like I'm gonna look up some of the t- statistics, but statistic wise, I'd be curious, you know, how it affects women versus men and how much is also a, uh, I guess a result of societal conforming and, and you know.
1: Yeah, and I mean, sort of I, remember that, so, I remember the last time I looked at the statistics, I was curious about that as well. Last mm-hmm. time I looked it up, it did affect women more than men. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure the truth behind this, but someone told me that Tyra Banks also had trichotillomania, which is why she she was wearing wigs at the time. Um, Not sure about the truth behind that, but that's what I heard. But um, women do women are affected more than men. That's for sure. Um, But men do have it, and like you said, I think because they have the shorter hair, you know, even if they did have it, we probably wouldn't know about it. And I think they
0: could just shave, buzz their head, and. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And I think Nobody also because know. society, men are taught to not talk about things as right. well. So, you know, a lot of them are probably holding that back. My uncle had it actually, when he was younger, my, my mother's brother had it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he eventually grew out of it because they just kept shaving his head and shaving his head. So he could, he had the chance to kind of break that habit and break the cycle. Whereas I didn't, um, mm-hmm. but he also had it severely from what I understand because I kept having to shave his head down um because he just had bald spot after bald spot um but definitely women are affected more or at least women it presents itself more in women maybe because of society standards
0: yeah yeah and like you said they're more openly we talk about things after talk we talk about things more we're just more emotional nature I guess so yeah um yeah anything else I mean this was great thank you so much I appreciate oh, thanks it. For having
1: me. Yeah. Um, the, only, the only thing that I would say as like a closing statement is if you have trichotillomania or dermatillomania um again which is the sister disease uh, where you pick your skin you're not a freak you're not crazy um do you have a disease yes is it okay yeah it's okay um you're going to live you're going to be fine if you have it on your head and or your eyelashes or whatever my best advice would be just to have fun with it, own it, um, don't be ashamed, and remember that you are beautiful and powerful, and you're going to be all right.
0: All right. Well, I'm happy that you listened all the way till the end. I hope you really enjoyed the discussion uh, between Caitlin and I. It gives you a little bit more insight about trichotillomania and Maybe you have it, maybe you don't, maybe you've never knew it was even a thing, and now you're, you know, you better understand it, which is great. But if you're looking for more information about uh, trichotillomania, or even things like um, skin picking, uh, dermatillomania, um, there's a few websites I wanted to mention. One is trickstop.com, that's T-R-I-C-H. STOP.com. Uh, another one is the TLC Foundation for Body Focused Repetitive Behaviors. That's BFRB.org. And the last website I wanted to mention was the National Organization for Rare Diseases. So it's rarediseases.org. So I hope this brought better light to everything and uh, made you think a little bit about. You know, maybe there's something you do that you feel embarrassed about, and maybe you think nobody else does it. Um, but I just want to say you're not, like Caitlin said, you're you're not a freak. You're not. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. So own it. You know, own it. Um, because there's a lot of us. Uh, there's a lot of hidden parts about us that. We never talk about openly and we never reveal to people like we all we all have things, you know, and um, and you shouldn't be afraid to admit that or talk about it if you want to talk about it. Um, you don't have to talk about it, but if you do, then talk about it. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, I really, really do appreciate it. If you want more of my podcasts, you know, you can you can check me out. I'm on Anchor, Spotify. Uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. It's the Reinvent Your Reality podcast. Uh, share it with your friends. You can like like this podcast, um, whatever. <laughs> share it with your friends. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Jen If you want to see my videos, uh, JenPalko.com is my website. I have a book out, 12-step guide for the self-help book addict, all, all that kind of stuff. So if you're itching to to check out more, please do so. Other than that, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. And I will see you on the next one. Peace.